Hi, I'm James Brooks, and welcome to From the Factory Floor, a conversational podcast about all things startup and tech, brought to you by the folks at thestartupfactory.tech. So welcome to episode 25 of From the Factory Floor, and today we're talking all about what it's like to lead a fintech for the first three years of its existence. So I'm joined again by uh, Ian Brooks. Hi, Ian. Morning. How are you doing? I'm not so bad. And making his first appearance on From the Factory Floor, I am joined by Michael Common from Nevo Hub. Hi, Mike. Hey, James. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. Looking forward to getting into this. So... I mean, usually what we do, especially when we get our uh, founders on, is give you a, sort of a two minutes to kind of watch your background, who you are, Mike, and then a little bit about what Nevo Hub is. So uh, do you want to uh, kick us off there, really? Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I, I was a, a reformed banker. So I started out, out of university with a, a big multinational UK bank and spent, I think, 13 or 14 years in there doing various different things, more often than not to do with technology. And I suppose I found myself as a, a bit of a frustrated insider, where I was, I was seeing that the impact that technology was having in, in so many aspects of our lives and felt that in, in financial services, we we're really only scraping the, the surface of what could be achieved. And so I'd started with, with a few other colleagues and friends to look at well, what does the future of financial services look like? What is the art of the possible with, with technology? And through that work, we identified something that became Nevo, which was all about how people communicate. And in most aspects of life back, back then, and, and even more so now, messaging is how people choose to, to communicate with each other. So WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, in our personal lives, in a business construct now, platforms like Teams and Slack, obviously becoming ever more popular. And it struck us as quite odd that in financial services, the conversations are still dominated by what we have come to badge as legacy channels. So paper, post, telephone, email, face-to-face. When we looked at that and kind of analyzed why messaging was so popular, so the convenience, the ease of use, the fact you can pick it up and put it down, fits around people's busy schedules, you'd thought that's exactly how people would want to talk to financial institutions. And what we identified was that the issue was that whilst messaging is how people would want to communicate, there isn't a solution out there that delivers the trust, security, and data control. And so that's what we set out with Nevo to build. So we actually uh, span our business out of the bank at the back end of 2017. We got to market Q3 2018 with a messaging proposition that was pretty much it, all, all it could do was message, but it solved those three things. So you could use it to transact in financial services and really quickly proved our hypothesis of, well, if you give people a choice of how to communicate and messaging is one of those choices, then the vast majority of people will choose to use that. And that early advocacy drove our growth. And we've obviously continued to develop the product and the proposition. And we've grown the team and we've been through a couple of funding rounds but still at our core, what we are is a, is a messaging solution for, for financial services. So, I mean, I think everyone's probably been through the pain of, I mean, I've had it personally the last couple of weeks, ringing up a bank, being on hold for two hours, going through IDMV or going through PinCentry or whichever application security you go through to get passed on to another department to have to do it again. 
And it's why I think, obviously, when we first started speaking in 2017, was about how you what Nevo could be. I think that's one of the reasons that I think we really, really like the idea because it's a genuine pain point for so many people. There, there is, but also I think there's, there's something which, and I know Mark doesn't like talking about himself, but that was half the reason. Half the reason we saw working with you and Matt, you know, there's a technology piece here we can we can kind of build. But I think for me, Mike, it was the vision and the passion that you had and the founder journey and, and the brave decision you made. It, it reminded me a bit of my own journey. I, I left Pricewaterhouse when, when they told me I had to stop playing rugby and start playing golf. So out of frustration. And yours was born out of frustration. But for me, the passion and vision that you had was also the, the other part of of why we wanted to work with you and, and kind of help create Nevo. Were you driven by that frustration and the opportunity? Why couldn't you do this within the bank? In, interesting point and, and definitely something uh, that I recognise as well, Ian, was the the synergy in, in your story and, and ours. And it was a re- really nice partnership very early on, wasn't it, where we got together and, and a, a key thing that helped us get, get everything off the ground. I think the challenge doing something like this in the bank probably summarised by we did go and, and get some interest about doing something like this internally. But ultimately, it came to a point with with, with a senior um, managing director in the business. And they kind of said, you know what, you've got a great idea here. We'd won some competitions. So they knew it, it was a great idea. It was hard to um, argue against that. But ultimately, we don't have a strategy to deliver this kind of thing it is way ahead of where our strategy is as a, as a bank and a conservative bank as all banks are and whilst you don't have a strategy then you're never going to get strategic investment in bank parlance strategic investment is basically the resources you need to be able to to do anything to invoke any change and so without strategic investment you, you basically can't your hands are tied you can't do anything and that was probably the tipping point where matt and i looked at that and said well do you know what we kind of agree here that this thing probably flies better as an independent business anyway and actually we've got this entrepreneurial itch to scratch we are quite frustrated in many ways trying to operate as part of a big multinational organization you know just doesn't move quickly enough for us it isn't innovative it isn't agile enough and so everything kind of collided, really, and that, that forced our hand in many ways to go, okay, let's do it. And long story short, we, we ended up taking the business out of the bank and into into Nevo and what it's become today. There's, there's a great message there, I think, in terms of the journey that, you know, if you are in an, an organization, a big, you know, corporate entity that for whatever reason is producing a strategy and has got, you know, a customer base and an offering that doesn't support innovation, then don't kind of throw it away. Like I say, the fact that you came out of it and wants to do it, do it on your own, I think was, was fantastic. Hats off to you and Matt. The other thing, which is I think is worth highlighting for, for listeners, is that you made the comment, you know, we started this in 2017. By Q3 2018, we had the first scrappy, skinny version of our thing. And I think that's another thing which, you know, you, you've shown great tenacity, you've stuck with it, and it's a long journey. And as James has suggested, you know, the reason the opportunity is there, but you've got to stick with it. And and I think that's another key message. There's, there's no such thing as an overnight success, is there? Yeah, that's definitely been a thing, I'd say, of the whole entrepreneurial experience has been. 
think when you're in it and you, you're trying to make this stuff happen and like you say you just wouldn't you can't do it without tenacity that's the that's the base ingredient i think any, anyone has to have to uh, to try, try and do any kind of entrepreneurial endeavor when you're going through that journey it always feels like you're trudging through mud you know wading through mud and getting nowhere yeah when when you look back it, it kind of is amazing how much you've achieved you know so it's quite a strange experience i think in terms of time when you're doing this stuff in in that everything when you're in the moment seems so challenging nothing seems like it's going fast enough and you're just pushing 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 all the time and it, it can feel like you're really making really very slow progress but in reality when you look back at what you've done and what you've achieved then it, it's quite impressive and i mean you kind of mentioned that when you're actually in the trenches and going through this it can you know it can be some real lows and some real hard moments as founders but you said looking back there's so many high points do you want to just share a couple of those i mean i know some of the events that obviously we've attended and how well nevo was received but is there any others sort of in terms of your journey that are real high points for you and for nevo yeah definitely it is a roller coaster and high points and low points deals always matter and actually, as a business, how we've evolved is we are doing kind of larger deals now, which does mean that every deal has a, has a, an impact on our business. And when you win a deal, everything does just feel great. And it's a validation of what, what you've done. And similarly, when you lose a deal, <laughs> you know, you put all of that time and effort into it. Uh, we've had a bit, a couple of, of big banks in the very early days that, that backed out on us when things were really you know, perilous and, and we were we were very small and we didn't have much cash, etc. And they're definitely low points that, that stick in my mind. But also, yeah, like you say, we've had quite a few award wins, which is always nice and it's great. We're very proud of the facts that we're Manchester-based and uh, I think a, a kind of leading light in, in the Manchester fintech scene. Also, the, the other thing that definitely sticks in my head, sorry, as a, as a high point is when we get customer feedback and they tell you, you know, how much they love it and the impact that it's having for their business. Because ultimately, it is a business. So the numbers matter. And, and obviously, we, we, we closely track where, where we're performing financially. But what really makes you feel good is the fact that you've built something that is really helping people and making a difference and is getting used and, and creating value in the world. So you can't beat getting some uh, some customer feedback where they tell you how um, brilliant Nevo's been for them, for, for giving you that kind of warm feeling that it's that it's all been worth it. I think that's really good, Mike. The, the kind of sentiment there to for, for people are listening. The you know the fact that we're actually helping customers when we're having an impact. FinTech as a label has kind of you know got a lot of hype around it, and, and again, I think it's down to your personality about being quite grounded and focused on customers and value. And I think that's one of the key things is don't get hyped by the tech. Yes, we've got something in Nevo, which we know is pretty unique. Uh, and in um, FS, I think, is, is is kind of making inroads and delivering value. But I think it's, you know, your, your success is measured by your customer success. And I think people are kind of adopting the FinTech badge as a, a badge of honour. I, I just don't see that sustainable where... You know, we, the traction we're getting, the growth, the, the size of contracts, I think really vindicates your leadership from a product point of view um, and, a, and a business point of view. The other thing as well, I think it'd be worthwhile just sharing, because one of the successes of Nevo 
is the fact we've built a great team. And again, that's down to your leadership and, and kind of that transition from founder and, and kind of convincing people to, hey, come come and jump on board. We're, we're building something exciting here. Tell us a little bit about building that team and those first few buyers because I think that's a key thing for a startup. Uh, so, so when we first spun the business out, and it was myself and Matt, and we, we convinced Tim and Justin uh, to join us as, uh, I, I guess, the original four of, of the independent business that was Nevo. You know, I, I knew everyone there, and I knew what we were getting, and um, that, that all, all of those other three were, were world-class performers in what they did. So that was the easy bit. And then, yeah, obviously, once we did the seed raise, what do you raise money for? It's for people. And say so that that meant we had to get out there into the market, and it was something we took really, really seriously. You know, my career obviously I'd recruited a lot of people, but it was quite a structured process and very defined for you in in terms of how you uh, take people through that. And actually, it felt a lot more personal doing it for Nevo uh, because you know it, you have invested so much of yourself into these startup businesses. And so, yeah, we, we were very much looking for not just kind of skills and uh, an experience, but also who those people were and did they fit with our kind of culture and, and values that we had ourselves to kind of grow the grow the business in that image. And I think, yeah, we, we had to kiss a lot of frogs. You know, yeah. we, we went through <laughs> quite a lot of different recruitment consultants and advertising boards and ultimately found one that really worked for us uh, that brought in our, our initial hires. We, I guess the key thing was we, we really took our time. What, one of the benefits, I'd say, of being a, a startup business is that I think a lot of people are really attracted to that now. You know, that, that kind of um, sentiment that I was talking about that made me want to be an entrepreneur and, and spin out of a big corporate. I think a lot of people now have that feeling that actually you know they they can have more of a challenge and feel more ownership of what they do uh, working in a smaller business than uh, in the past where maybe working for a larger business was seen as more aspirational so i think there's a huge pool of talent out there that are looking for these opportunities which is quite lucky and so yeah we, we were definitely impressed by the caliber of of um, candidate we were able to get through and then obviously i just took our time in terms of getting getting the right people from them I think it's been really good. I, th- I think, you know, as well as driving the commercial strategy, you know, product development with Tim and uh, CTO and building the team, I think, you've, you know, you've got your hands full. Just just kind of gives a flavour of what a week in the life of Mike looks like now, three years in. What was what that that kind of dynamic, the pressures, the, the focus? How, how do you balance everything? Uh, I mean, I think I've always been quite good with, with pressure and stress, which has definitely been a benefit for me mm-hmm. in, in this role. And uh, I, I guess the good thing is you go in eyes wide open, right? You know, you, you don't talk to anyone uh, about starting up a startup and they go, oh yeah, that's the, that's the easy path. And so you kind of know to expect that it's going to be, it's going to be hard and it's going to be a rocky journey. And I think if you're not kind of excited by that, then you're doing the wrong thing because that, that is definitely what it is. A week for me now, it does tend to be pretty unpredictable because a lot of what I'm doing is um, is problem solving and firefighting. You know, we have a lot of customers now, which uh, obviously that can, can generate problems. We have quite a few staff now. 
we have investors now and all of these things can you, you know create problems as you try to mesh together a system that works into uh, into a top performing business that isn't just doing well it's growing rapidly all the time and so i, I do a lot of uh, problem resolution and it can take me in any different area from product to hr to um sales to marketing and and all of these things and i think it's good as a as a ceo to make sure that you have an understanding of of all aspects of the business but yeah still if i'm honest still what i really enjoy is stepping out of that and thinking about the the long-term strategy of the business and how we're going to grow and into what markets and what kind of things we need to do to the product and the proposition to support that. So uh, I always try to do that. I probably spend too much of my spare time thinking of that as well. <laughs> uh, so I try not to do too much of that and so I can still focus on my family. Yeah, they're, they're the bits that I'll still make sure I try and, try and carve out some time. I suppose, I mean, obviously... Sort of any journey for a founder is always quite interesting, and fintech as a whole space, so not just Nebo Hub, but as a whole sector, has become almost this sort of market that people just want to be in. It's almost sexy in that regard, and it's the big thing. Whether it's you know cryptocurrencies, obviously were massive when way back when, and fintechs only seem to grow. When you've seen some of the other startups, have they seen? sort of growth in general around the sector of fintech rather than necessarily just individual businesses? I think the one thing you notice is there's a lot of us now. Um, and, and there's <laughs> more growing. coming all the time. You know, there's so many fintechs out there in, in the UK. You know, I, I doubt you'd find a problem now in the financial industry that there aren't quite, quite a lot of um, fintech businesses trying to solve for which is great. And I think, like you say, we've, we've benefited from that being such a huge part of the tech scene, particularly in this country, because it means that it catches investors' attention and even government attention recently, obviously, is, uh, uh, with the report that the government have produced on the fintech sector and what they want to do to support it. So uh, I think that's been great. I, I think when I look around fintech, maybe the thing that surprises me most is particularly in the early days, you know, how, how the big names seem to be these neobanks. Um, and whilst, you, you know, obviously as an entrepreneur, I massively admire what they've done and the businesses that they've built, it, you know, it almost surprised me the success that they've had, because actually when I look at it, it didn't seem that disruptive to me, you know, whilst they were digital only, they weren't doing that much in my mind that was that different to the existing banking model. Um, they, they were just delivering tech better and, and marketing it really, really well. And so I think... Now, with all of the fintechs that we've got supporting the sector, then it will be good to start to see some businesses come through that really start to change the dynamics of how financial services works. Uh, you know, maybe that does include some of the cryptocurrencies. I'm, I'm not mm. sure. You know, certainly people have played around in blockchain and uh, different uses of that, and nothing seems to have really stuck yet. But yeah, I think as a sector, what, what we still haven't quite achieved, even with all the investment and all of the focus on it, it is a truly disruptive moment to the to the industry. And I hope that will come and, and hopefully we'll be part and parcel of that. It is interesting. It's, it's kind of just an ongoing evolution, isn't it? I mean, you know, we talk about innovation and obviously open banking, personalization, you know, the number of apps that are out there trying to balance the human touch and, and the tech touch. There's regulation, 
know, you look at anti-money laundering, KYC, compliance, there's a, there is a, like you say, much more of a, a competitive feel to the fintech landscape now. But you've still got trust and customer expectations. So it is, it's, it's fascinating. But, you know, payments, partnerships, all those sort of things, that it just seems so frantic to me. It hasn't evolved. It's still kind of digesting, ingesting, and there's a lot of activity. So standing out from the crowd, finding a new customer pain point or problem to be solved, you know, it really is. It's FinTech is, is not, for me, kind of had that big bang like we know we did in the in, in the stock market with introduction of technology uh, back in the 80s. The big bang with FinTech doesn't seem to have happened. And it's still very crowded and getting more competitive. What do you think that big bang will be, though? Is that sort of one of the big major banks? Because, you know, they, they are seen as dinosaurs at times. Like, see, like I said, you've got the Neo Challenger banks appearing. Is it when one of these big banks almost accepts that tech's going to be the way forward and almost starts to move forward with the processes rather than being these lumbering colossuses that often don't have innovation? Well, it has to be. I mean, just blowing Nevo's trumpet for them, you know, onboarding and taking on a new customer. It, it's it, it's just ridiculous that the, the big banks have not embraced the digital solution as, as the standard. And I think, you know, hopefully customer pressure and expectations will, will build on that. You know, it's one of the frustrations we have with Nevo is that why people just can't see the obvious time, money, cost, frustration, saving that is there to be had with technology into the main banking system. You know, actually financial services at its core is a really simple thing. It's, you know, taking and distributing money. All of the complexity that has built up has just been what what people have introduced over the over the centuries and, and decades that obviously it's been a thing. As a result, you know, yeah, I, I guess as an entrepreneur and like you say, you look at those big moments like the Uber and Amazon and the impact they've had in sectors, Spotify, Netflix, you, you know, you're like, there's so much waste still that happens in financial services. It does still seem ripe to me to, to uh, have some kind of disruptive moment like that. Yeah, how it comes, I, I think, and, and what it is will be interesting. But clearly, what we're trying to do at Nevo is to, to demonstrate, well, actually, if we can move people onto using communication technologies that have already been proven to be much better in all other aspects of lives, then for me, that has to be part and parcel of, uh, of that future. Yeah, I must admit, if I was <clears throat> sat in the boardroom of you know, one of the mainstream banks, I've got a, a balance sheet, I've got a, a network of offices and estate, I've got you know, thousands of employees. I can understand why they haven't got the agility to kind of pivot their business. But yeah, I think as Mike said, maybe fintech is has been too much of a threat and, and maybe they have to embrace fintech and the traditional model. Because I think one of, the, one of the issues has also been trust you know, let's say Lloyds Bank. You know, Lloyds Bank have got a great name. They've got um, a brand that customers trust, although they're frustrated with the service. But then you look at Monzo, and they are still struggling to get and build a customer base. But people love the proposition, love the flexibility, love the service. So maybe there's some hybrid model, Mike, that is going to emerge. I, I don't think one of the banks is going to go bust. I don't, I don't think that's the 
the, the, the pivot moment, but maybe there's a, there's a hybrid here of around payments and personalization and communication that, um, that there's a fusing here of, of the old world and the new world. Yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely agree with that. You know, you, the banks have the capital <laughs> and it's hard to hard to move away from that isn't it you know that that's just such a, a massive asset that it would be difficult uh, for anyone to compete against when it comes down to it i think what may well happen is that with, with all of these fintechs such as ourselves that what what we'll do is we'll really start to fundamentally change the way that people interact with these organizations and make it so much more effective and efficient than it is today. And so I think the way that people interact will, will probably be the thing that um, that changes the most. I mean, I think we could do a whole podcast on what is the future for fintech and what it's going to be that will be that one breaking change. I'm just aware that we're uh, already coming up to the time that we uh, usually like to sort of wrap things up. So I guess the thing we always like to do, Mike, is ask people what's there. If you were to go back to 2017 when you were just about to start, and give yourself one piece of advice or one sort of key insight about what it's like to run a th- fintech, the fact you're three years into it, what would that piece of advice be? Just do it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> just steal Mike's logo. <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah, just steal Mike's logo and try to do that. Yeah, no, I, I think, I, I think like, like we said, it, it was quite a big decision and uh, it wasn't an easy one to make, but. I definitely don't regret it now. I mean, I've learned way more in those three years than I probably learned in whatever it was, 13 years working in, in a bank. You know, I, I think I'd just go, just just do it. <laughs> just get on with it, get it done. Sooner started, sooner on the journey. <laughs> I think it's a good piece of advice for anyone just to actually, if you're thinking about doing something at half time, you just need to take the first step and actually start doing is always something that we've said so thanks very much for your time today mike so if anyone's interested in nevo or talking to you what's the best way that they can uh, get hold of you yeah happy for people to email me direct michael.common at nevohub.com get in touch through the website thank you very much and thank you very much as always ian for your time today no problem good enjoyed that thanks mike thanks both really enjoyed that yeah, it was good and i think next week we're talking to gavin bell from aren't we ian from yes, Gavin. Gavin's an investment manager at uh, Maven Capital Partners in Manchester. They have the purse strings to the Northern Powerhouse Fund. We've got a good relationship and uh, done quite a bit of work with Gavin. And Gavin's going to uh, share his thoughts as to what investors look for on due diligence exercises with uh, tech startups. So it should be uh, quite illuminating. An interesting one. Well, again, thank you again both. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll hopefully catch you on the next one. Thanks, James. Thanks, Dean. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. I think that just about wraps things up here. If you have any thoughts or questions on anything we've said today, get in touch, whether that be through our Twitter, at RealTSF, or email at hello at startupfactory.tech, or feel free to drop in for a coffee and a chat. As ever, thanks for listening.